Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 9 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. This week, you're going to hear Part 2 of the interview with First Light Whiskey's co-CEOs, Ryan Espy and David Elizondo. If you missed the first part of this interview, don't worry, it's on the internet. Look for it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just go right to the newsletter on roastwestcoast.com. And while you're online, if you want to try First Light Coffee Whiskey, and you should, or their Dark Roast Coffee Whiskey, also great, use the discount code RWC, that's capital letters RWC, on barbank.com. The bottle I ordered last week showed up in less than 24 hours with free shipping. And it's not gone yet, so I don't need to reorder. But it's definitely not all there either. In part two of this interview, we get into how trust in the partnership and the ability to disconnect is important to the brand. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying a cup of coffee right now, you're already ready to go. If not, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Go fill up your coffee mug. It's time for part two of the interview featuring Ryan Espy and David Elizondo, co-CEOs of First Light Coffee Whiskey on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. The organic agave nectar was definitely a game changer for sweeteners for us. I mean, we, we end up with like 80, you know, probably more than 80% less sugar content just to like your fireball or something you're seeing that that's having a lot per serving where we have a very low like sugar index because of that agave and it gives it enough sweetness to like calm the palate and not have that really burn from whiskey but you, it doesn't over get it over sweet at all you know that was one of the big things in the r d process um as a former bartender i was like i, I don't want to create something that like is overly sweet and as a scotch drinker, I'm like, I want something I can drink and enjoy like multiple glasses and not have this kind of sugar burnout and something that can be blended in cocktails and not overpower drinks, you know, like be able to have like subtle nuance within cocktails, which you do with a lot of like kind of straight spirit forward, you know, whiskey cocktails. And so that part of it was really allowed us to to create those expressions that are like unlike anything else. Sure. And I think uh, being able to drink more than one and not wake up the next morning feeling all that sugar yep. is, if you're getting up at first light to go surfing, is probably pretty important. Yeah. You mentioned that you had been working with the extract or the concentrate. I, I know that you also do some very small batch product like with local coffee roasters. You did one with Steel Mill previously that I had had. Do you see that as something that you continue to do throughout the future or where, what is next for the brand? I know you've mentioned, and I don't know how much you can say, but that you're also working on other products and other spirits. Uh, is it always going to be that coffee base or are you expanding out uh, into the market? Yeah, there's a, we have that coffee at our core for sure. That's a, that's a core part of our brand right now. And we definitely want, we'll continue to work with local roasters and as as you know, kind of our bandwidth permits, do more of those limited releases where we've done some really cool stuff where we like age, you know, our whiskey in barrels with different coffee beans and like do different washes, dip beans in and out over time to create these really awesome products. But you know, the one thing is they are limited and they're not very shelf stable, right? So like two months out, 
like it's almost like your stone and joy buys like those things will get bottled and you want to drink them within the first you know six to eight weeks because that natural coffee will you know will turn and not typically not for better over time with those with those natural washes so like those are things that we're really excited about continuing with partnering with some of the awesome coffee roasters we have here in San Diego and doing these limited releases that we know like the local community is like fiending for. And I mean, it's not going to take you six weeks to drink a bottle. Let's just be honest with that. (laughs) Yeah. And then the product roadmap, you know, we do keg cocktails at events that are just that, that again, are the response is phenomenal. So we're, we'll be looking into canning some of those and then also expanding our spirits line down the road. Very cool. Ryan and I were talking about this uh, before you hopped on the call, David, but just about uh, his vacation and how for a few minutes he would step away from from work, which doesn't happen a lot when you are in charge of something, when you are running a business. Uh, So I wanted to ask you both about, you know, the choice to be an entrepreneur out of college instead of going a more traditional, maybe a safer route, depending on how you look at things and how that impacts the rest of your life. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there's definitely an ebb and flow to entrepreneurship that is unlike anything I've experienced before um, in life. I had some jobs, uh, really like some gig style jobs uh, during undergrad, and I got a little bit of you know background like working, um, and then I did work full time for California Spirits Company soon after. So I had that kind of reference point. Versus now, it's just the full entrepreneurial dynamic flow and doing it particularly for in my experience with my wife Cassidy uh, like has really forced a lot of like hard conversations and forced us to grow I think more so than we otherwise would have it's been really beneficial like it's like it's a lot of times like there is resistance and it's not necessarily the easiest process or the easiest path but it is the journey is worthwhile And I found it to be um, that learning to disconnect, uh, we go camping as kind of like our go-to. We actually just took a trip to Mammoth uh, last week and we were able to connect with some accounts up there and we're hoping to get some placements on mountain this season. And we see like the alignment of First Light and Mammoth Mountain to be fantastic. Uh, But we're able to connect with a lot of accounts and then also put the phone away, drive up to the lakes and just sit there and, and like we're just there like we had a, a a futon in the back of the van and we're just laying there listening to the creek and looking at this beautiful landscape and and disconnecting and and those moments are sacred it's like cherishing the moments where we can connect with the natural world connect with each other love the the journey and respect that in a lot of ways like you never really turn off like we're always thinking of the next thing that we could be doing or how to make it a little better and it's just like the natural process of like thoughts arising and this is our baby this is like our we love doing this um so it is like in a sense we're always working but also in that same sense like we're never working it's just such a beautiful gift to be able to do this and how lucky are we to have these opportunities to build the things we love yeah for me you know part of it is having like a strong and trustworthy co-founder so the choice, the choice for me, like of entrepreneurialism kind of wasn't a choice. I feel like, I mean, I to date myself. I like was hustling like blank CDs when I was a kid and like, just like mowing lawns and always doing businesses. 
And the last like in W2 I had, I was in college and I worked at Trader Joe's throughout that time. So um, for about four years. And then after that, like I said, I was kind of just, it. I just hate authority. And so I just like, <laughs> I couldn't stand the idea of, I mean, Trader Joe's was great, but it's also like, there wasn't a lot of filler work, but you know, I hate the idea of work for work, work's sake. And so from that, I mean, like I said, I was, I was like, all right, let me start just like designing and building websites. And then I like opened an agency and, you know, we got into mobile app development and then went into like marketing sales and like online coaching, consulting, which is kind of what I did right before this for a few years, all in the advertising uh, sphere. And so it was like, it was, it was kind of never a choice. It was like that I was always going to do this. But those businesses, like I mentioned previously, I was like the, the main point. So there was no opportunity for disconnecting. And it was always, and you almost have to learn as an entrepreneur, like to give yourself a break because it, it's not, it doesn't behoove like your best, you know, your best performance to always be in front of your laptop and to always have these, you know, to always be on like some of our best inspirations and ideas will come from like the natural world itself and come from experiences. You know, I feel like a lot of people could relate to just when you're stuck at a problem, like you go for a run or you just do something else. And like a lot of times the solution prevents itself. So when you're thinking of like higher level business decisions and like strategy, sure, you put the work in in front of the whiteboard, but you need to like get away. And like this, that, like I said, with having, you know, David as a co-founder, who's again, somebody like just strong and trustworthy. And we almost have like different strengths and weaknesses. Like we talked about it, like it puts comfort in being able to do that, you know, and, and like being able to disconnect and not worry that like things are going to fall apart. Cause like someone's there. Right. And then having those inspired moments and the brand as part of our brand ethos, like we understand that. So like when we do company almost bonding, like we're, we'll take everybody camping, we'll go out into nature and like, get away from the boardroom and like, Hey, this is part of our DNA. This is part of why we do what we do because we love our natural living landscapes and we love being a part of it and getting energized from the surf or the snow or the, you know, or the, or or nature and hikes, like having that built in is something that we, you know, we continue to, to pursue. And as we like grow our team and bring people in, that's going to be a part of like our company culture. The team really is everything. It's, yeah, it's the people behind it that make any business what it is and having people that really live and breathe like the, the essence of, of the mission and and are really stoked to be part of this movement and are not just there to clock in and clock out, but are there for this community and family and understanding that it really is about quality over quantity. And you can do a lot of work and not get anywhere. And you can get your head in the right space and put in a few hours and and change the game. And there's always going to be more work to be done tomorrow. And early in the process for me, like it was like that, those late nights and like stay up and like max out, get as much done as you can. And that became like this toxic cycle that I'm grateful to not be in any longer. And it's like, now it's like really respecting the downtime as integral to creating high quality uptime and really making sure the team shares that understanding and we're investing in in our people for the long run. 
Yeah, that downtime creates that longevity. You know, I was fortunate enough to, before this business, to have failed a lot. Like I said, like I'm, you know, I'm a bit older than David and like I had these experiences of that, of like late night proposal burnout, like typical stuff that as like a digital agency or kind of digital entrepreneur, you, you learn firsthand by failing, right? By burning out and like by having other business partners that you end up fighting with and like you learn what are those causes and like what are those things and okay let's let's you know at some point it's like everyone learns on their own but it's like let's put parameters in place so we can like we can grow past this and like avoid these these common pitfalls as someone who used to regularly fall asleep on the floor in the living room in the middle of the night or when he got home from work, I feel like I've just gone through like a, a Tony Robbins, like self-help session. So I appreciate that guys. I mean, I feel like we keep talking and, and I'm just going to decide right now we'll get together again in six months and, and have another chat and cover some more stuff. But what is something today that we didn't cover that you, that you want people to know about first light or about you or, or what the future holds? I think, uh, Something I would like to share is anyone that who may be interested in the entrepreneurial process, as we discussed, but might be scared or uncertain about taking that first step. I think it's uh, always worthwhile to take the step, regardless of the outcome, just to have the experience and, and go on that journey. And I think something that I didn't necessarily expect to learn on this journey that I think has been perhaps the most worthwhile uh, lessons I've taken away thus far has been just how directly aligned the entrepreneurial journey is with my life journey. And I think just like the human experience and learning about, you know, overcoming challenges and, and learning about what we're capable of and learning what's real in terms of like external constraints in the world uh, versus internal constraints in our minds that uh, we we just develop like throughout our lives it's like oh i couldn't do that i couldn't like be an entrepreneur i couldn't start my own thing i think a lot of us like can and it's not necessarily for everyone uh, but if it is something that you're interested in believe in yourself and believe in the process and regardless of the outcome just enjoy the journey and know that there's takeaways that are applicable to everything else that we'll experience as humans one of the core foundational mottos for first light is embrace the unknown it's something that you know as i told the first light story like really relates to that is to like hey if you're if you have that choice to make like go do it like it's always worth it in the end like what no matter what it is whether it seems like a lot of work or there's you know resistance in front of you take that step embrace what's coming and you'll be rewarded on the other side and so that's what we continue to do. And that's what we, you know, our community gets behind us and, and we all have that mentality. So we're, we're stoked to continue it and, and bring more people along to join the journey. I normally end this podcast by asking people what they drink uh, when they're at a coffee shop. But I'm, today I'm going to switch it up and ask you guys, how do you drink First Light Whiskey? You know, do you drink it in a cocktail? Do you drink it on the rocks? What is your go-to? Uh, and I'm presuming that you enjoy and drink your own product, which is probably uh, a given. Yeah, for me, I drink it on the rocks um, as a whiskey drinker. But even as a for some people, who, a lot of people out there that aren't just like won't sip on whiskey, like you can sip on this, put it on the rocks and enjoy it. 
Yeah, um, on the rocks for sure. And um, my personal favorite cocktail is uh, our dark roast blend uh, mixed 50-50 with oat milk, shaken over ice and strained uh, with a little dusting of cinnamon. It's like a spiked like uh, chocolate coffee milk. It's beautiful. And I will say that I mostly drink it either blended with like a, a shot of bullet on an ice cube, or I make a decaf coffee in the afternoon and then dump in the first light whiskey. And it's the only cocktail that I make where I don't measure out the whiskey. I just kind of go until the cup is full. I'm assuming it's healthy. Uh, we're not going to worry about it today. Guys, I really appreciate uh, you taking time out of your your downtime, out of your working life to be here on the show and for your continued support of Rails to West Coast. One thing I really appreciate about your company, uh, some unsolicited uh, celebration of First Light, is that your product is is accessible. And what I mean by that is I enjoy it. My wife enjoys it. I've given it to my dad who also enjoys it. It, it seems to be a product that once, like you, as you've mentioned, that once you've had it, it's easy to integrate into your life. Um, if you enjoy, if you enjoy a cocktail, couldn't agree more. It's been really inspiring sharing it with the local community, and uh, we have more events coming up. If anyone's interested in going to those events, following the journey, check out our website, firstlightwhiskey.com. Our Instagram is at firstlightwhiskey, and uh, we're we're grateful to have you with us, and we're grateful for you, Ryan for making this happen. Thank you. Okay, to recap, I mentioned last week that there is a fluidity to the roles David and Ryan perform. They also have a lane within the company structure, with Ryan leading marketing and branding and David focusing on sales and development. But being able to depend on each other, to be able to trust each other, enables them to pursue the opportunities afforded them to disconnect and recharge for their next entrepreneurial push. They pick each other up. I'd add that having a business partner who is family, Ryan and David are cousins, can certainly add stress, but it also offers a level of connectedness that can inspire entrepreneurs to take the next step to solving problems because at the end of the day, you're still family regardless. It's harder to cut ties if there is a dispute and easier to share in the celebration of the successes. Near the end, David wanted us to know that taking on the challenge of entrepreneurship is worth it. It may not be easy, but you will learn what you are capable of, and you'll learn what is real in terms of your own vision for yourself versus the vision you may think the world has for you. In the end, as an entrepreneur, you need to believe in yourself. And finally, I recommend trying First Light Whiskey on an ice cube, even if you aren't a traditional whiskey drinker. Try to pull out the coffee flavors, and with that agave kicker, you'll find it to be smooth with a slightly sweet, although not too sweet, finish. I remind you that you can get 15% off your first light order with the discount code RWC on barbank.com. That link is in this show's notes and on roastwestcoast.com, where you find the show's newsletter. I also encourage you to go directly to firstlightwhiskey.com after you order to check out some of the cocktail recipes. They even have a cake recipe that David's wife Cassidy shared that is phenomenal. It was the first cake I ever made completely from scratch, and it made for an excellent breakfast with my morning cup of coffee today. First Light Whiskey is one of this show's industry partners, who along with our paid subscribers ensure that this show gets made every week and help me continue to grow the podcast. 
Other roast industry partners include Café La Terre, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, where I just was buying some new filters for my pour-over, Camp Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, Marea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Ascend Coffee Roasters. Thank you all for listening and for supporting this show. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee.